listen to the best wrestling podcast in the world. Journey into Wrestling every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is The Poor Report with your host, Andrew Poor. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 50 of The Poor Report. Quite a milestone we're at here. And I'm joined today by a special guest. I'm joined by co-host of Podcastrophy, Tyler McLaughlin. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's kind of a... It's crazy to get to episode 50. I know you're not too far off from it now, too, because you got, what, two more episodes? Uh, Yeah, this week will be episode 49, and then, you know, next week we've got episode 50 coming up. We don't really have any plans, but a milestone nonetheless. Yeah, and I think something's pretty uh, crazy that I was kind of kind of waiting to reveal on episode 50 is that episode 50 is actually the last episode of the poor rapport i'm not really going anywhere but it's still weird to kind of close that chapter i'm kind of going in a bit of a different direction i kind of i think i told you ahead of time kind of what's going on Mm -hmm. so basically what's happening is the yeah so basically what's happening is the poor rapport is going to split from basically one show that exists now into two shows one show that i'll still focus on the political news and exclusively that and things going on in the world and the other thing will be entertainment news which is more talking about tv shows movies just stuff like that and probably having guests on to talk about kind of the goings on in the world of like entertainment and all of that so it'll be a interesting change but it gives the audience a chance to like if you're sick and tired of political news which i know some of us are that you don't have to tune in every week to me to hear me talk about that and actually still get to listen to my show so it's not too bad it's probably uh you're probably pretty sick of listening to all that political news it kind of feels like it's inundated with facebook and social media and on the tv and basically anytime you turn on the news it's pretty everywhere yeah i see i'm in a really weird place politically and you know i i consider myself for the most part an anarchist but i'm also very conservative and I, I buy into a lot of liberal ideals at the same time i'm just i'm just kind of a hodgepodge of of political beliefs and they contradict a lot and you know it makes me it makes me a little bit less credible at times i think when i'm when i'm you know for lack of a better term debating people because i really you know on that note, I really don't like the term debate, especially when politics are involved. Because if you and I are debating something and we have an audience, that audience is there to either be convinced by party A or party B. They don't really care about anything that's being discussed. They just want either party A or party B to pitch them something in a way that they like it and they can buy into it. And that's the belief system that they're going to go down. You know, I I love to have discussions. I love to have arguments, especially when they're not hostile. Um, But I, you know, I personally, I think one of the, one of the easiest and quickest ways that we can improve the political climate in the U S is just get away, get, get rid of the political debates, especially during the presidential race. Yeah, I I agree completely. I think it becomes more of just spinning things into a button or a pre 
form statement that they've rehearsed many times over and it's not really answering the question they're just like doing it to appease their audience who they're only playing to they're not actually debating the topic at hand they're like well that reminds me of this other thing i was talking about which is this whole 10 minute speech about nothing related to the question asked absolutely and then like and then they'll get applause at the end and you're like that didn't help me at all nope it, and and you know for a fact that there's people in that audience that are keying in on that but they just they just conform and they agree and they applaud just like everybody else in the audience and then they you know it goes right back to the forging your own path versus the the status quo that I that I talk about so much on podcastrophy um I to to your initial point I'm not really tired of of the political news because there's there is so much shit that you have to weed through to actually get to credible information and legitimate topics of discussion or debate or, or however you want to phrase it. Um, what I am tired of is just the media as a whole. I don't I don't care about Fox News. I don't care about CNN. I don't watch the news at all. If right. I if I find a reporter that I consider at least mildly credible, I will follow what they are reporting on. But that's about it. That's the extent of it. Right. And then every oh, sorry. No, I'm jumping well, on you. And then I was going to say, of course, all the clickbaity stuff that we see on Facebook and and the rest of social media. I mean, you can't at this point in 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 the age that we're in now, you cannot avoid the clickbait. It is everywhere, all day, every day. Right. I mean, you scroll through. Like I have Facebook on my phone. I'll scroll through it and be like, "There's all these random articles that have a headline that's like, what?" And then you open it up and you're like, "Oh, that's." nothing Mm -hmm. like it's just they picked a random line or spun it just enough to get you to be like what is this going on right and it half and yeah that's awful i feel like that's how i feel like we're in a day with more just because i feel like there's more out there now and we're just or just a little more sensitive to it we're just kind of seeing it pop up and the same thing with the media every media has its own agenda it's not sitting there there's no one with a very unbiased. Everyone's going to have some kind of bias in what they're reporting to an extent. There's some right. that do it more than others, but that's why I. It's also ridiculous with the whole political party system is that some people are so set with their own party that they'll vote top down. Like I don't go to a like if I ever when I vote I don't go there and just check the box of the party that I closely align to. I usually I research the person, figure out what person either party what their personal values, what they've said what closely aligns to myself that I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not going to straight party lines. I think they shouldn't even have the party lines on the ballot. Some people just blindly look D R independent. I'm just gonna check that box. Like, no, there's like my dad did, uh, like ran in local government and did some, try and did some state, but because of the letter next to his name, he got dinged or helped through that. It's no one really paid attention to what he actually voted on or what he's an advocate for. It was just, People voted the way they've always voted, and that they just voted straight party lines with certain things. And right. it's just not actually learning anything. It's that's how we get into these messes of party politics, which is just dumb in my opinion. If we just had no political party, people actually have to pay attention to what the person had to say and not just what party they're being represented by. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know, you you can be really cynical to take that further too, like I am most of the time. You know, it's not necessarily what party you're voting for. It's what uh, it's what corporation you're voting for at the time. You know, people like to l- throw around, uh, throw the weight around of, or throw the oil and uh, gas industry 
likes to throw their weight around and say, well, that they lobby politicians so much. That's why renewable energy, you know, can't be successful. And and for the most part, they're not wrong. But most people don't realize that the modern the modern medical industry lobbies politicians more than every other industry combined. Every major industry in the world doesn't put forth the same amount of money as the the United States medical industry. Yeah, I I've seen that. It's crazy the amount of money they'll put for actual research development, how much they'll put just to better their themselves with administrations with elected officials just to make sure nothing's going to hinder them with anything they sign pursue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I that whole lobbying thing, it's ridiculous. Like, cause I know all these elected officials are supposed to represent us, but they get bought and taken out and given little gifts here and there to try and push their corporate cause and not really go in there to represent us. Like, it takes you back to what it used to be hundreds of years ago when, like, being a politician was a part-time job and you went and had a regular job the rest of the year. Yes, you didn't have a choice. You had to do... You had to be a, a citizen for you know, three quarters of the year and you were only a politician when they needed a politician. Right. Like that was the whole thing of being in session because that's when you were there. That's when you were on the clock as a Senator or a representative, whatever. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the year, you went back to your family and did your job and be a member of society. Not even know when the switch happened. It's just like when it's like, I'm just gonna do this full time for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah, It's pretty crazy. And like you spoke of like you've, um, you're kind of an anarchist and you have views kind of on both sides or all kind of across the spectrum when it comes to certain views about certain topics. Is that something that you've kind of developed on your own as like you've as you've grown up with some of it based on like your parents being around and what their views are? Because a lot of stuff like growing up, you're kind of influenced by your parents and how they're what they talk about and how their views are. So growing up, uh, especially, you know, like most people, when you become a high school student is when you really when you really start to label yourself, oh, well, I'm either a Democrat or I'm a Republican, and, you know, I like the left or the right. That's that's when it, you know, it's in its most simple uh, aspects at that time, but that, that I think that's when most of us really start to get in, or start to want to get involved into politics. And when I was in high school, I was very, very left-leaning. You know, I was very anti-conservative, and then, you know, I went to college. I'm a college dropout, and I saw... I've always had a problem with the education system and the public education system, or, you know, just the education system in general. I have a problem with it because it is so worthless from K through graduate school. It is a joke, but, you know, once I got to college and, you know, I I had to work... I was working full-time and going to school, and then I dropped out of college so I could work more and you know I've, I've been in about four different major industries now and every time I have a career change it's like okay I need to reevaluate where I sit politically a little bit because when I was in the construction industry I was very very conservative and then when I went into the manufacturing industry, because of the management system that the company that I worked for ran, it started to be kind of a 50-50 split between left and right. And then the next manufacturing uh, company that I worked for, I went ultra-conservative again because their values were so left-leaning, I, I just it didn't jive with me. 
and now I'm kind of back in, uh, I'm a union electrician now, so now my views have to sway a little bit left-leaning or the whole ideal of what gives me a paycheck is not, you know, I either buy into that ideal a little bit or why am I doing the job? Why do I want that as my career, you know? So I just try to keep an open mind um, for the most part because there is a shitstorm of false information and just strong weighted opinions being thrown around very little fact a lot of the time and every I, I think anyone that doesn't do their due diligence and form their own opinions is shoot it, i mean they're selling themselves short right i mean we're all very much individuals and if we like you said you kind of evolve with your thoughts every time you kind of have to reevaluate mm-hmm. with every stage of life because no one's the same person they were even a year ago. Everyone has different life experiences that influence how their behaviors are. It's the same reason, like, people who grew up with, like, a religious upbringing and then in their, as they became start of their own person and not, like, a child like a child of their parents, they started having their own thoughts and about all of that and questions beyond what they were just told. And it's kind of that same idea. Like, you have to kind of keep seeking the, kind of the betterment of yourself and seeing, like, where you actually lie. Like, like I've grew up, a, like my father's very democratic, but he's also has a lot of kind of conservative values that I grew up with. And I kind of go back and forth. And in college, the whole libertarian thing was kind of interesting. And then you kind of move on. And after you graduate and kind of make your own thoughts and just, there's certain people where it's like the kind of the extremes of the left and right are always just constantly battling each other. And it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth your stress to be, angry about certain things like that when it's just got to just keep moving forward right at least attempt to move forward right you don't always have to be making progress but you should always be making the attempt to make progress right yeah otherwise you're just kind of standing still and not really because when you just become just deaf to other people's viewpoints is when it's just we're just not progressing as a society right well, you know, we are in the age where my opinion is fact and I don't have to hear your opinion. And and that mindset is really, really aggravating to me because I, I have this mindset that if you, if you have a belief, I'm not going to try and change it. Number one, it, it's not my responsibility and it, it's none of my business to try and change your beliefs as long as your belief isn't you know you know some of the you know if you're a nazi okay that that's a that's a problem that's right. a, that's a belief system that is a problem but if you personally believe that women should have the right to choose to have an abortion that's that's that is your belief that is something that you believe to the core i'm not going to be able to say anything in my life to change your mind because that's what you believe. Now, if you have an opinion that maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, and I have a strong opinion one way or the other, and it might be the same, we can have a conversation and we can discuss and we can we can kind of work through stuff together and say, okay, well, maybe maybe your opinion makes a little bit more sense to me, you know. Right. But but we're we're in the, we're in the age where beliefs and opinions are so wound together and everyone 
everyone is so closed off to what anybody else is saying that it's like you said earlier, we're, we're almost all just standing still as a society because we don't right. want to progress. Yeah. Have you ever, I don't know if you've actually seen it. Have you seen the image where it's, um, it's like kind of like a cartoon and there's, a there's two people standing in front of like a painted number and it's a six. If you're looking at it from the left and it's a knife, you're looking at it right and it says, just because I see, or just, just because where I'm standing does like, I can't remember what the actual wording was, but it's like, just because you think you're right doesn't mean I'm wrong. But it's like, no, there's clearly a right answer to this question. It doesn't mean there, it was drawn in one space. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that just because like, yes, you're looking at it from one side of the other. It doesn't mean that's the right. That's just what you perceive as the right side. And I, and I'm glad you brought that up because I love that image because there are people that will look at that image and argue about it. And what you said hits the nail on the head. Somebody wrote either a six or a nine there. They might not have stated which one it is, but it is either a six or a nine. It is not both. Right. It's just like one of those things like, yeah. And I've said like someone that comments like, yeah, that's like, that's their argument for being for their, to back up their view. I'm like, that's, still not right like if i if i put like a like i can go up to a stop sign put a circle around it and a line through it and that means the stop sign's invalid no that's still a stop sign right just because i choose to ignore it like that doesn't change anything you can't paint an apple orange and call it an orange right it's still an apple yes it is what it is so i don't know i just always find that one pretty interesting because that and the whole thing i think you posted on uh, Facebook or something the other day about the whole addiction as a disease mm-hmm. and how all that going on. I kind of fell into this. I know it like came up like a week or so ago. I didn't really get the full backstory. I know the whole, it's a choice, so it can't be disease and all that. I don't know if you have any, I can't remember what your exact point was about it. So we are, we are the most educated society in history. You know, as a whole, worldwide, we are we are ultra educated. There is, and you know, it kind of flabbergasts me because I'm sure there are people out there that don't know this, but the majority of people know that heroin is an extremely addictive substance. Okay. Right. Putting yourself in the position to stick that needle in your arm and shoot it up. You are, now the addiction to heroin might be a disease, but you chose to have that disease, basically. And that right. that's a problem. Because people, my sister's a type 1 diabetic. She didn't choose to have diabetes. So we we as a species are supposed to be moving forward, not standing still and not going backwards. Why are you electing to basically, you know, ruin your life, ruin your body. Why are you giving yourself a disease for nothing? Right. You know, so I have a really hard time with that. And, you know, I, I I will concede a little bit and agree that, you know, based on your genetics, some people are more predisposed to addictive substances. Yeah, I'll agree that all day long. But the fact is, the fact remains that the initial choice was there and... 
I saw an, uh, I saw this post surface again today, and there was somebody on that post saying, "Well, type two diabetics chose, but diabetes is still a disease," and that that that's fair. I mean that that's a that's a fair point, but not all type two diabetics are seven hundred pounds and need a crane to get out of their bed. Right. Some people's pancreas just fails. That's a part of life, you know. Right. I had a friend who had their put their whole uh, big post of time to that about how people who like overeat and don't exercise and develop like, yeah, it's like type two diabetes. Like that's a choice they made, but it's still disease that leads like heart disease or whatever mm-hmm. and all that. Or, but it's like, yeah, there's, but you've seen the side effects. Like we're not, it's not the first time someone has had issues with heroin or other addictive substances, you know, going well into that, that, yeah, there's a possibility, like, I've seen friends, or I've seen people on the news and stuff that go really bad on that. Like, there's other options that you don't have to be like, heroin's my only choice in this matter. Like, you right. chose that. You went, picked it up, or you got it from someone. Like, if you got to that point, you'd be like, oh, I should go seek help. There's people there. If you need to go to counseling or all that, like, there's always another choice. That, like, it just seems that, yeah... It was a choice to do that. It may, yeah, it may be a disease. People are genetically predisposed. Like, I don't smoke because everyone in my family smokes. And I know it's something, like, if I do it, it's going to get addictive. It's going to be something that's going to all be doing. It's something that, so it's just better to not even start it because you know it can lead to it. Or drinking people who, like, who have genetically predisposed because everyone, the parents are alcoholic or whatever, all that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, go on. There's an old man uh, or an older guy that that has kind of filled like the Mr. Miyagi type role in my life the last couple years. And when him and I would work together, uh, he was kind of my mentor when I first started working. Um, and whenever I would make a mistake or get really frustrated with something or complain about something or something that somebody else was doing, he he would always say the phrase we all justify what we do and it for a long time it really frustrated me until i finally realized what he what what kind of he was keying in on we all have a choice in everything that we do and at that moment that that choice is presented to us we are either justifying the decision that we make or we are not justifying it and not making that decision so that doesn't make it right by any means that's not what he's getting at uh so I mean, if you wake up tomorrow and you're like, "Ah, I think I'm going to try some heroin, you have justified that decision. You have opened the door to any of the consequences. Uh, You know, perfect example, uh, my family is very predisposed to alcoholism. That's a that 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 is where I formed the opinion that addiction is not a disease, because that is something that you 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 from from birth until death you can go your entire life without ever having a sip of alcohol you're going to have a life nonetheless you don't ever have to be exposed to it or you don't ever have right. to choose to be exposed to it uh so i choose not to drink at my house you know i i drink alcohol i will go and party and have a good time with friends and but i will not drink at my home because if I come home every day and I drink every day, then eventually it will get to a point where I'll require that because I'll associate drinking beer or whatever with being at home. Right. So I'm choosing That's- not to open that door 
and go down that path. It's it's not a hard decision to make. I just don't drink when I get home. It's really easy. Right. Like I've seen people who are like the only like I've seen people who's like they're only smoke while they're drinking or something. Like they'll only smoke like at a bar or something when they're with like a social environment. They choose to not to extend that because once you let it kind of infest your day-to-day life is when it becomes a problem. Well, we're we all creatures to do it. of habit. Right. I mean, that's a fact. So I, right. to- got- I-, I totally agree. Yeah, you just got to kind of try and section off the best you can. Like, there's something that's go like, only do this at this time. It's like, people, it's like, well, I'm only going to have, what, two extra helpings of this at Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's not like... I'm not going to go eat a whole, like, half a turkey every day because that's crazy, even if it is delicious. But you got to kind of keep yourself... It's kind of a weird example, but it's kind of just keeping yourself... Keeping that pocket, something so it's not... Well, I get up and I have this and do this and that and then go on with my day because that routine will eventually just become incorporated. It's like people, it's like... That's why it's so hard for people... Like, people who are trying to quit smoking is that they've put it in so many facets of their day that they can't function without it it's like well i always smoke while i'm driving and now when i'm driving i'm not smoking i have this this feeling i have this anxiety i need something in my hands i get you get like an oral fixation you need something to do and some people pick it up by like holding like a toothpick or always have a pen in their hand or something to try and mimic that feeling or that muscle memory to try and get you over that mm-hmm. hump that you're trying to get through yeah so to to go along with that in the early to mid 2000s as far as the the like personal health industry there was a like slogan that was going around for a couple years that nothing is bad for you in moderation so eat that donut you know go go kill a whole bucket of fried chicken as long as you're not doing it every day it's not going to affect your overall health and that's not entirely false it's not entirely true because heroin can be bad for you in moderation you know, cocaine can be bad for you in moderation. So I, I think that, that I, luckily, that phrase got killed off pretty quick. But, the you know, and it's kind of a cheesy way to look at it. But I, w- as far as all the personal decisions that we make in life, we're all standing in a long hallway. And every decision that we make, we're opening a door. And once you open that door, you have to accept everything that's, that's on the other side. So on, on, your, on Thanksgiving... If you want to eat half a turkey, that is your prerogative. You can justify it and do it. But if you wake up the next day and eat another turkey and then another turkey and do it again, you have to accept the consequences or you have to change your decision-making process and improve. Right. That's it's a good point. Like, it's kind of that same thing. Like, yeah, like you said, every decision you make opens another door and then everything that follows that, like... I can choose to drive to work every day at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. That's a choice I'm making. Whatever happens, I could easily get pulled over, get a ticket, whatever. I could hit someone. I could get in a major accident. But that's all a decision that's a result of choosing to do that one activity. Absolutely. Like, could be eight times out of ten, nothing happens. I get to my point B without any issues, and I move on with my life. But there's those possibilities that you have to be prepared for when you make that decision Mm -hmm. and that's why i like this conversation or this topic so much because it it is so relevant in the political climate and it's a little bit different of a tone but you know if you're going to align with either party 
you don't have to accept every decision that that politician or that group of politicians makes. They can make decisions that you don't agree with. That doesn't make them uh, a bad candidate or a bad group of people. Like we we as a species are so quick to judge, you know. Anyway, but whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't matter. Not every decision that Donald Trump makes is bad. I'm not right. saying that every decision that he makes is good, but he he has done some positive things. He's done a lot of negative things, and he's ran his mouth a lot, but not everything he has done is bad. Right. Like, his presidency hasn't been a dumpster, a dumpster fire the way that some people describe it. Like, he's done a few things you're like, yeah, like any other president done that, I'm sure people would be praying for that decision, but mm-hmm. because they associate him with all of the stuff that's going on and the way he talks, they're like, Oh, that's awful. Like, I'm pretty sure if you took... Like, I remember someone saying, like, they took a quote... I remember... Uh, this was earlier in the school. Someone in, like, a southern college was speaking at a graduation and said a quote that made sense and said it was by Donald Trump. And then it got cheers. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. That's actually a quote by Barack Obama. And then it got a bunch of boos because people were just, like... That quote was still good. They liked it when it was one person, but that doesn't change how you felt. Like, just because they... Oh, it, I actually misspoke. It was supposed to be the other guy. Like, like it's just that kind of a simpler example of that. But it's just... People get so... They focus on too many things about one specific person or one specific ideal that doesn't help them going forward. Mm-hmm. It just kind of baffles me. Like, yeah, like, there's been things about... the Since I've been following presidents and since i've really paid attention since like the first election i really noticed and when george w bush got elected it was like the first election i actually paid attention to and i was like 10 years old but since then like there's things that those presidents have done that have been like oh that's actually really great and there's like oh that's not so great like i remember um pat oswalt had a, a comedy special he talked about that everything's gonna there's gonna be a time where someone you like is like Oh yeah, that's great. I really believe in that guy. But there's sometimes they're gonna make you go. Eh, I guess that's not great, or that's okay. But oh, that's that's a hard thing to defend. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, it's we're, like, we're we're so wrapped up in the moment right now, where you know, if if you and I don't walk around the street with a sign saying this is what my political beliefs are. There are people that are doing that right now. And, you know, it's to get attention or, you know, to to kind of promote controversy and conflict. However, however they justify it is really irrelevant. But we are so wrapped up in the moment of this is who I am. And if you aren't this, then we we have an issue here. We are a society. We need to coexist. We need to take we're a melting pot of cultures, you know, anyway, we need to just take every all of the good ideas from every political party and just agree that hey these are all good ideas and let's keep moving forward you know that's kind of the theme of this episode uh, right because with with what we are or w- w- the the road that we're going down right now the door that we've opened we are 100% going backwards and i don't know how anyone can support it Right, like I have no idea what to what's really going to come next. Like we've got to a point where people, like I've I've made the mistake of I've fallen into like Facebook comment trolls about a certain like news article, and people get to a point where 
they don't even care what the article's about. If you're basically, if you disagree with it, you're attacking them as a person, and yep. they're just gonna let you have it for no good reason. You like, you could present found logic and sense, and they're gonna just attack you with like making fun of you or something like that, or just saying you're crazy, you're left or you're right or whatever, and all of this, and just not even pay attention. Like, I feel like it's gotten to a point where just so negative it's just negative and it's just attacking people and it's just we're not even listening to what people are saying it's just closing ourselves off again which is like you said we're just standing still because mm-hmm. we're not being open to this and i feel like i don't know if it's because what's going on in the political climate is just charging certain people's fears and what's going on and causing them to lash out or it's feel like that certain people have voices that didn't have it before. I I really don't know how it got to this point. It seems like people just got so take everything so personally about what's going on globally. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think it I think it's a combination of everything. You know, I, I can have you know strictly politics. I know for a fact that I can have a political conversation with you, and you and I are going to disagree on some things. Right. But I'm never going to take it personally. And most people don't have the ability to do that. They are so focused on me, 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 me. This is what I think. And I don't really care what you think, but based on what you're saying, you are wrong and you're a monster. You know, I, I, I hate that mentality. Right. It it doesn't help anything. It's not constructive. It's just criticism for the sake of criticizing something. Mm-hmm. You like, know, I feel like yeah, if we had a very long conversation about some specific topic, we'll both probably come out of it thinking a little bit differently we might not change our exact opinion of it but we might be like oh i can kind of see his point or i can see his side and it's that's how it should be we Mm -hmm. should all be able to have a conversation about something and grow from that conversation it shouldn't be something like you see people basically yelling at each other for an hour and you're like they both just got harder and harder into their own opinion and didn't even give an inch Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just frustrating sometimes. It's just like, if we all just listened a little bit, we'd be a lot better off. Right. So, based on where we're at right now, let's just say in the next decade, do you think that we're actually going to make any change? Do you think that we're actually going to, to move forward instead of standing still? I don't know. The part of me that's an optimist thinks yes, but I feel like it's just going to be the case of, like, I feel like it's every four years, every eight years, it's people trying to change or reverse what the other person before them did. So I feel like the whole, like if Trump gets elected in 2020 and is president till 2024, I feel like the next president, which most likely going to be Democrat, because that seems how everything shifts. It goes Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, and down the line. It's just going to be them criticizing what the previous president did and seeing what they're going to change. And all it does is just kind of, it goes up and down. It just balances us out. So we're not really progressing in one direction. Mm-hmm. At least that's my view. Like, I'd like to say we'll get to a point... Because there's, there's certain things that have gotten better. Like, I know the unemployment is down massively. And, like, the GDP is up and all of that. That's all that stuff that gets just thrown in your face about things that are going well and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's But the debt's going up and all that. So I'd like to say, like, personally, I hope things get better. Like, I don't know at this point. Being a realist probably make it a little bit better we might move a little bit forward but i feel like we're gonna move a few steps back and a few steps forward it's just gonna be there's gonna be a lot of give and take in this i don't know how you feel about it exactly the same way uh good good for most of my life i've been a pretty cynical person the last you know especially especially after i became a parent 
Uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic about a lot of things, and I'm starting to become more of an optimist as far as the the political climate goes. Um, unless we make drastic changes from from the citizen level up, I don't think that we're we're going to move forward uh, consistently. I think it's just going to be the the constant tug of war. We're going to have uh, a Republican for four to eight years, and then we're going to have a Democrat. Exactly exactly what you said is what I would have said if you asked me the question. Going back to like 2016 with Trump's things, like you wanted to drain the swamp. You wanted to get rid of the entrenched bureaucrats and politicians that were not. Like, that makes sense to me. There's people that are sitting there doing the bare minimum, collecting a quite an extensive government salary plus lobbying money mm-hmm. and bringing nothing new to the table. They're just punching the clock, doing the bare minimum to get by and then retiring and getting the pension and the full benefits and all of that. Right. Like, yeah, those guys should go. Like, that's why I think term limit should be a set thing. Like you can, yeah, you can be a Senator or Congressman, whatever, two terms, three terms, and then that's it. Go do something else for the rest of your life. You shouldn't be able to become a Senator at 35, retire at 60, 70, and then get all that money that you've accrued that whole time, plus a pension for the rest of your life, and then become a lobbyist or whatever. Like, there's people who even, like, lose an election, become a lobbyist, keep the same connections, and then make, like, ten times as much money, and are just not even helping anything. Right. Uh, that that brings me to one of the next questions that I had for you. Do you think we should lower some of the age requirements for certain offices? Correct. I think it's, what is it? I know 35 is present, but is it like 30 for like senators and I will, uh, I will, representatives? I will actually pull it up real quick. Yeah, that's because I think, I remember there was a, I went to, I went to college in Peoria, I went to Bradley University, and I remember while I was there, a bunch of, during the 2012 election, a bunch of the Republican candidates came there, like, Mitt Romney came to my school, and, um, like, Rick Santorum and all those guys, like, the front runners on the Republican side in 2012 came, and there was a representative there that I actually really liked his, the way I liked it, like, stuff after that became kind of messed up, but, like, he was still in high school, or he was, like, in a community car or something, and got elected... He, like, became a, he campaigned really hard as a writing candidate and got elected, like, I think it was, um, I don't know what it's actually called. It's, like, the school board president. Okay. Like, while he was, like, fresh out. Like, he ran, like, he just, like, roamed the streets and got, like, signatures and all that and got votes and made a big stand. And then he became one of the, worked his way up to, like, a state rep and all that and became a U.S., like, representative like, one of the youngest they've had, and then made the mistake of kind of, like, embezzling money and all of that. So, but, like, his projection up to that point was, like, that's how it should be. Like, there's, I think age shouldn't be a requirement if you're motivated and if you have good ideas because... And qualified. And qualified. Like, there's nothing to say, like, you or I, even though we're not near the age that, like, the minimum age requirement to get elected, if we have good ideas and we want to show that we have genuine like feelings and thoughts and a motivation to kind of bring this country forward i don't see why a number should disqualify us Mm -hmm. because there's people like why should someone who does nothing and then is all of a sudden just 35 
more qualified to run for that position than I am if I've been doing all of these things up to that point. So like I, go not oh. to interrupt you here, but I've got it pulled up and I actually was wrong on a couple of these numbers. So a person must be 35 or over to be president or vice, 30 or over to be a senator, and 25 or over to be a representative. I didn't realize it was that low uh, to be a rep- representative. I thought it was a little bit higher than that. Right, I thought they were both 30. This is saying yeah. 30 and 25, so. Okay, so that's not bad. I think 25 seems reasonable. Like, I know, like, we saw, I remember it became big news when, um... There was that uh, that Stoneman Douglas school shooting, and then a lot of those kids that were involved with that became very much political activists. I don't some some of that stuff. There, I just there's gonna be disagreement points on that, but like they became very politically motivated. They've been able to kind of kind of crowdsource and be able to kind of bring thoughts on that and just like fade into the woodwork, like a lot of news stories that come about. Mm-hmm. And I think like if those guys like when they're in their early to mid twenties, if they want to pursue political office, there shouldn't be an age requirement requirement that stops them. I totally agree. Cause like, if I go down to like Joe Schmo down the street and he's 35 and it's like, Hey, you should run. Like that's, there should be more to it than that. There shouldn't be. But yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good point. There shouldn't really be an age. Restriction. Present's a little bit trickier. It's the same reason. Like I remember getting asked, it's kind of a side question, but I remember getting asked this by a relative if you think a president should have prior military experience absolutely to get elected 100% okay like i said not necessarily i think it's a help because i think before you're technically like the commander in chief of the military you should have some kind of bearings like i think that you should have some kind of i know it seems to be a lot of like lawyers and senators and stuff they're just regular guys but we've had a lot of people with military experience like, i think it's just like the last handful that really haven't there's there's i don't know what the exact number of like people who don't have military versus i don't know if you know off the top of your head i don't know off the top of my head i think so one of the one of the issues that i have with uh politics in the united states is to be to be appointed a position in a cabinet or as an advisor, you know, whatever, um, you don't really have to be qualified for that position. And so, so to kind of put that in perspective, the person that's in charge, like the Surgeon General or, um, you know, the, the health and welfare, uh, I don't remember what that one is actually called, that, that title is, but um, those people should be, if you're going to be in charge of the state of health in the United States, you should be a doctor or at least a scientist. Right. And, say like- and a lot of times that's not, I mean, they're not, re- the, the, the resume that they have is not really relevant to the position that they hold. So and it would, I, it would make more sense to me if you're the commander in chief of the military and you're in cho- and you're in charge of the joint chiefs of staff you should probably be a military person right that just makes sense cuz you need to cuz you see, like you need to kind of know what's going on, like what you're actually like what you mean like you need to know what's going to happen when you say do this what the next 10 steps are like mm-hmm. you're just like you could say yeah go do this and you realize that they're going to they're going to delegate that down. They're going to say, they're going to send 
troops, they're going to send whatever to go do something. You realize you're sending people to go do something that might be costly to their lives or costly to the global scheme of things. Like, you could say, all right, we need to go take out this base or we need to go infiltrate this or whatever. Like, taking it back to, like, when... um, when they did the the raid to capture and kill Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. that was he sent said, "All right, that's where he is. Go get him." Knowing that these many things go wrong, he has he's never been the person on the receiving end of that. Correct. And I feel like sometimes people who have that experience, like I have never done, I have family that are in the military. I have never been a part of that, so I can't really speak for it. But I know it probably would mean a lot different. Like you would probably have a couple extra thoughts in your head. If you've been on the receiving end, like you know what it's like to be on the front lines or being overseas or being in an unfamiliar place and trying to do what you've been commanded to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think just the overall respect uh, for the military would be a little bit better. Um, I'm not telling anybody how to think uh, by any means, um, but I. You know, I stand by what I said. the The title that I was talking about is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, that person should be a doctor. The Secretary of Labor should be someone who has actually worked in the United States and not been a career politician. The secretary or Secretary of Agriculture should be someone who has worked in the agricultural industry not just a politician that has been slightly educated on the ag industry. So. Right. At that same point, like you say, like the, I know you've, you've, you've kind of made your, your points to know about how you feel about like the educational system. So do you think like the secretary of education should be a teacher, an administrator of a school, a principal, like something had that kind of in their background? Yes. Cause I feel like some, like, yeah, it's not, shouldn't be someone like, I know some candidates or some people will pick someone for a position to garner favor because it's like, oh, I'll give you a spot in my cabinet because I know you'll bring me these 20 votes from other senators to help get my agenda across. Right. Like, you have no rhyme or reason. Like, I can't remember, like, in the current administration, like, like Ben Carson, I think, is, like, a heart surgeon or something, and he's he's in, a like, uh, like housing, like, secretary of, like, housing and... Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's right. But it's like, he would make a medicine to be like uh, like a surgeon general or health and human services. Like, that's something he has experience with because he was in, he obviously went to medical school and he worked in a hospital and all that. Like, that would make sense. Or how the current Secretary of Education is never went to a public school in her life and never taught, never, like, it doesn't equate. Like, they may have great ideas, but I feel like you need that extra level of being actually involved in what you're the secretary of Mm -hmm. yeah and you know there is a caveat to what i said um if you're if you're a qualified individual then you should be considered you know it goes back to the the age requirements uh to hold political office office what we were talking about a little bit ago if you are a qualified individual you should be considered just the same as anybody else but if you are slightly less qualified and you don't have the job experience and and when I say job experience I mean job experience in the industry or what or whatever or what have you um, you know the most qualified people should be holding these cabinet positions and I don't think that they are right it's you almost know. like like in 
sorry, Domain trying to jump no, no, on no, it, but it's good. like like the same kind of idea of like I know like the, what happens a lot is when a new president takes control, a lot of these previous positions get sent not quite fired, but they get let go and then they bring their own people in. Some of these positions should even be tied to a like to a new president getting elected. Like if they're qualified and they're doing the job, it should almost be something that's just it stays until you kind of move on. Like I know you kind of want someone that kind of is of your agenda, but if these people are qualified, they shouldn't be dropped four years into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes like deputies and other people kind of get jostled around a little bit, but still, I feel like it shouldn't be something that like resets every four to eight years. Well, and you know, to, to kind of, to hit this home even more like the United States secretary of veterans affairs is a perfect is, is the most perfect example for me you know, we, we like to see all, or we see, we don't like to see it, but we see all the media talking about, you know, how many unemployed veterans we have and, and homeless veterans and and how, how many people die every year waiting on the list at the VA seeking medical care that they can't get uh, because they can't afford it out of pocket. Right. Um, just looking through the list of the last couple decades of the appointed cabinet members holding that position, very few of them are veterans. Really? Yep. They're just regular government bureaucrats that just got picked for that role? I'm not going to say very few of them. There is a large amount that were not not veterans. Oh. Isn't the current one, or like the previous one, weren't they a veteran? Uh, Peter... I don't remember for sure, but... I think I remember seeing something like... If it wasn't, I know there's been like two under the current administration, but I think one of them was or is or, I don't know. And it, it does make sense. It should be someone who's a veteran. They're going, they've been through that or have friends that are in that same boat. Like, it's same being being a representative of your area. It's the same reason why if I want, if I elect a representative, I'm in Illinois, if I represent for I want him to represent Illinois. I want him to represent the people in the state where they're going. It's kind of it's, it's as simple as that. Like you want them to be representative of what they're supposed to be representing. Like right. if they're if they're the secretary of like health and human services, yeah, exactly. It should be from the medical field. They should be a doctor or a nurse or something mm-hmm. in that field. Or it shouldn't be someone who's like you want to. It's like the even as simple as like the people who are like senators who get like appointed to committees, like the arm. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the committees now. But it's like like weight like budgeting and the military and all that. Like they should have people that served or they have people who are accountants or financial based and like just to represent those people. They shouldn't just be oh now I gotta spend all this time learning how to do this. They should be able to jump in ready to go and ready to do their job. Right. I think we've had a, a really good discussion on this. I, there was a kinda of couple other things I think I had noted here. Go ahead. Um I guess one thing I kinda wanna know, I had this written down, I'm just kinda curious. What it's kind of a random question. What grinds your gears? Like, what kind of gets under your skin that you kind of see? I know we kind of touched on it with a few things, but are there things that, like, you've... That, like, it just bothers you every time you hear it and it just hasn't kind of gone away? Uh, that Trump is a racist. You know, if we're, if we're going to strict... Or if we're going to stay strictly political, uh, that Trump is a racist. I... I, I have never seen anything... I'm not a racist. I can say with 
assurance that I am not a racist. I have not seen any convincing convincing evidence that Trump is a racist. That bothers me. So people who are convinced that Trump is a racist. Yep. And just like, yeah, I feel like there's, yeah, people get kind of hung up on one statement or one thing and just take it to the complete extreme. Like, I remember as early as I think this morning or yesterday, Trump had a tweet about LeBron James and something with, um, he makes, um, some other guy seem smart. And then I like Mike, meaning like Michael Jordan and like people saying that means Trump is a racist. You're like, you're kind of taking what he said to like a whole nother level. He's just saying he doesn't like LeBron James. He's a Michael Jordan fan. And yeah, he said that like, he makes someone else on hard, but he kind of says that about a lot of people that they're not as smart or not as. I don't think there was really a racial connection to that statement. No, his actual tweet was LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. That right. th- that doesn't reference the color of his skin at all. Right. I, I have a pro- I have a problem with racism as a whole anyway. Like most people should. We're all just right. we're all just people. Just just right. start being people and stop separating ourselves. Right. The color of our skin was all in a relation to what area in the world we grew up in. Like you can look at it, people closer to a like a hotter environment have a darker skin to deal with the sun. Yeah, it's like, it's it's the it's all levels of was it uh melanin. melanin not mel- melanin in yep. our skin. Yep. That's and all it a lot is. of us are Eastern European. We're in the winter climates. That's why we're pale. People in like Mexico and southern states and still like the southern part of the world have a slightly tanner skin just to deal with that level. It's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's all just based on where our like where our ancestors grew up and how we kind of evolved. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as other things go, uh, people. I... I have this opinion that being ignorant does is not an excuse to make poor decisions and that that's it's kind of it's a really bad way to say it and I haven't found a better way to kind of convey the idea that I have in my head not everyone has the ability to be educated Right, I, I would agree with that. But it is it is all of our responsibilities to educate ourselves. I have this thing where, and you know, some would say, "Well, you're addicted to your cell phone." Um, throughout the day, whenever I have free time, I am tr- on my phone trying to learn something. Every day, I try and learn something. Um, so now, in with technology being the way that it is, we have access to information you know, on a level that no one has ever had, you can't make the excuse now that you didn't have access to education because now you've got it. You know, you can go you can go to Walmart and buy a cell phone for like 40 bucks. Right. Or you can go to a library and use their computer and just do like... It's not the middle of BC where a whole level, a class of people just didn't learn how to read. Right. Like... There's people who, since the moment they left high school, have never read a book. Yep. Like, like, I mean, some people, yeah, don't like to read or they only read fiction or whatever. Like, 
more power to you. But, like, I like history. So I have, like, a full bookcase of books on old U.S. history, some world histories. And, like, I'll... I crack those. I read those. I have audiobooks. Like, I listen to those when I'm driving to work and stuff. It's just... I don't know why people sometimes just hit a point like, oh, I'm just done learning now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get that. Or they'll just be like, what I learned up to this point is enough. Like, no. We should constantly be trying to better ourselves. Just because we're done with school or we're done with this or we're settled into our job we don't need to learn anything else. Our job is now routine. Mm-hmm. We do it day in, day out. Like, you're not done. Like, people... From even 20 years ago, 30 years ago, would smack us around for the amount of stuff that they didn't have access to because of the time that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we put someone on the moon with a technology that was a tenth as powerful as what we have in our pocket that we use to use Snapchat. Right. Like, it's ridiculous. And it's, I don't know, It's that's I, I agree, that's something that's kind of... Like, it's so easy to learn something new. Like, you can easily go to Wikipedia and hit just the random button and read the article that it's about. You're going to learn something in Mm -hmm. without two clicks. And you're going to scroll and learn something. And if you spend about five more minutes, you can decide whether or not what you actually read is just true. Or is true or not. I mean, you you put forth a little bit more effort and then you can say, okay... This is well written, and the sources are cited, and this is a, you know, a reputable author, and you know these people that are involved in this industry or this topic are are backing this. Okay, this is more than likely correct. I have just learned something, and right. it's amazing to me how many people every day just don't. Right, like I remember seeing at one point, people thought the Titanic was just a movie like it was not based on anything and just like how do you like how do you i i the, the baffles me that someone's like what it was a like an actual event it actually was a moment in history it wasn't a fictional story someone made in a movie right like what other movies are basically like if you do just a hair of research like like do the bare minimum you would learn so much but some people are just like oh it is what it is like no it's just yeah that yeah. that that is an important uh, tragedy in our history uh, we should know that and and, and you know I'll, I'll kind of finish finish this one up with the education system we are we go to school to learn how to be statistically um, how do I want to say it statistically good I guess you know, we're basically pumping up statistical numbers. You are there to learn how to take tests and follow commands, and that's about it. Right. You know, un- like, until you get to college, and then and then you can kind of forge your own path. But but either way, it, it's still the same thing, at least right, in my like, experience. Right. Like high school, really, just you studied to take a test on what you learned, and then you immediately forgot it. Was basically how most school went. Mm-hmm. And then you took a standardized test, which is supposed to be how much you learned that year. And you took pre-tests and all that stuff, and then you get out and you're like, "What did I like?" People like, there's no class that'll teach you like how to balance a checkbook, how to change a flat tire on the side of the road, how to change your own oil. Like, there's so many things that like you would. It'd be good to have like life skills that aren't taught. We're just taught like. Like, yes, I I chose a science major in college, so I, like, I use a lot of this stuff. Like, people, it's like, 
well, I'm never going to use, like, calculus. Like, yeah, I use calculus a little bit. Like, not near to the extent of I studied, but still, I touch on it. Like, mm-hmm. I guess now we have, like, calculators in our phones, so we don't really have to memorize multiplication tables anymore. But still, like, we, we shouldn't be studying for these tests. Like, we need to be... I know part of school is to kind of get a sense of society and kind of a growth as a community because sometimes we get exposed to a lot more while we're in school with people from different backgrounds all in one place of the same age and that whole thing. But but you can take that a step further. I mean, so just in 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 general, in the general courses that you took throughout, you know, I'm going to say middle school through high school, how much did you talk about World War One? In... <laughs> in u.s history and that was basically it <laughs> like we didn't talk about world war one more than two days in my u.s history class some really? of the most important advancements in our civilization came out of that war and most people don't know anything about it at all other than it took place in europe and germany was bad right i think basically i think some textbooks probably have it as like a chapter yep that's about like, that like 20 pages. We we legitimately spent two days on it. That's it. Two class periods. Then moved on to the next war. And then... And then, and then no, no. Well, I think we went on... We just skipped World War II completely and went straight to, like, the 60s era. Like, there's... I understand, like, history... They can't go into fine detail without being, like, a class on World War One. But still, like, you should... If there's something that's, like, that important, they should focus at least a couple weeks on it like mm-hmm. it's not saying much i know because two class periods is what like an hour and a half basic we'll just say two hours right but like that that's not nearly enough like people have written thousands and thousands of books on world war one and just certain aspects of world war one like there's so much information out there that you can expose yourself to that it <laughs> yeah that's one of those things like i don't know why that's more important than like Oh, you need to me- memorize the Gettysburg Address. Like, yeah, it's the Gettysburg Address. Do I really need to memorize it? Like, is that important for me at this point in time to spend hours me- reading words over and overhead until they mean nothing until I can just recite it? Like, so, and the reason I brought World War One up, one of the most important advancements that we made as a civilization came out of that war, and it was mobile X-ray machines. Really? Yep. I uh, don't. Yeah, my World War One history knowledge is not great, so I actually didn't know that. So that's something I learned today, which is kind of cool. M- Marie Curie, uh, who was a, a French woman, mm-hmm. actually came up with with the technology. Um, because at the time, the X-ray machines were about the size of like a small bus. Yeah. So. We 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 improved our overall health as a civilization because of something that somebody did out of necessity of war. That's how a lot of advancements came is out of a necessity through either war or like the space race was another thing that was kind of fueled a lot of advancement just because of there was an end goal that we had to meet and we had to try and find any way of getting to that point. Right. I feel like that's kind of something that's like it's you need, yeah. It's something it's you need almost like an event to spur advancement. And I, because I I can't even 
imagine without x-ray technology kind of like i've had x-rays done you probably have had x-rays done probably yeah. plenty and mm-hmm. even as simple as like you go to the dentist once a year and sometimes they'll just put those things take x-rays of your mouth to kind of know that hey there's something going on here or like oh i have a broken bone like they're not just gonna cut all right let's just cut this out so y'all cut pull the muscles away and see what we're working with and trying to fix it like they're actually like oh there's a break here and let's just put a cast on it like yeah, that's definitely a piece of technology that we're lucky that she was able to crack. Because who knows how long it would have taken if there wasn't a war going on, if there wasn't something well, that spurred that. You can go even simpler with it. Uh, tampons. Tampons were an innovation that came out of World War One. You know, sanitary napkins. Really? Yep. I'm, I'm learning a lot today. I didn't even... Well, I never really cared to learn about the origin of tampons, but that's... Also kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning things. They were yeah. they were originally designed as a, a type of field bandage. Oh, like something you could... Uh, something that would just be absorbed. They could wrap around a wound that would keep it until they could get to a second destination to get the work done on it. Or plug a bullet hole kind of thing. That's, that's the right size. And if it swells up and it prevents further blood from leaching out, it kind of puts a... Like a plug in mm-hmm. where you... That's a... And then like, oh, we can actually use this for other things. Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. <laughs> I love that. I think one other thing I saw that was interesting that I don't even know if you've done any research on that is that... Um, I remember this big thing that's kind of going on now is that whole thing with this 3D printed gun. Have yeah. you heard about that? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've talked to people it's like, yes, it, you can print a gun, but it's not going to work for very long. So you're going to get couple shots off and then it's gonna tear itself apart is what i've kind of gathered from my little knowledge that i have on the topic people don't take into account like all the stress that happens to that piece of machinery when a bullet is fired out of it so the the plastic that you use to 3d print is not made you don't have the ability to 3d print something that's going to be able to withstand maybe more than two shots Right, like it's it's plastic that you can enjoy. like it's a it's a simple piece of plastic that's not going to be able to stand like the heat, all of the strain, all the stress. Like you like you said, it's gonna it's gonna break apart. You maybe it's maybe break up that first thing of fire and like explode in your hand. Yep. Like, and people are like, oh, this is gonna change it because they're not gonna be detectable on airplanes. Stuff like also one someone needs to buy a decent enough three D printer to actually even come across with that. It's very expensive. And you still need, what, like a firing pin? And you probably need some other mechanism that you can't print those pieces, right? Right. So, like, it's still... It's not like someone can go there and be like... Someone's not going to be able to go down the street and be like, oh, I can't go to, like, a Kinko's and... I'm going to print a gun and go... Now rob everyone at the Kink... Like, it's... <laughs> you know how all the Walmarts have, like, uh... Like, photo printer stations in them now? You know, we don't right. have... We don't have the one-hour photo places, but now we have the... The print your own photo stations. I yeah. just I just had an image in my head of somebody walking in Walmart to get a gun printed. They're standing in line. <laughs> There's like forty people standing in line. Like, come on, this guy's been here forever. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just there. There is so much uh, going on in our society that's almost like science fiction esque. You know, flip open a bo- flip open nineteen eighty four, and then you know just laugh at some of the shit that's going on. Um, it's not something that I'm worried about. 
Right. Because this is like, yeah, it's more of like a it's a flashy headline more than anything. It's clickbait, like everything yeah, else. And then it's enough that like it's also like a distraction. Like it's getting people to focus on that than important things that are actually going on. Right. Which I feel like half time like having something serious happens. Another thing that sounds more serious than it is comes out of nowhere to like, oh, well, that's and diverts like half the population's attention for a few days until they forget about what the original thing they were worried about was. Yep. So it's like, oh, there's this going on over here. It's almost like, hey, look, something shiny. Like, that's basically how clickbait is. We're just following the shinies. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, I think we're going on about an hour, a little over an hour now. Uh, anything else that you have that you want to talk about while you're on the show? Uh, it's kind of the little finale that we were having, but it's we're having a really great conversation. I feel like I can talk to you for a few more hours, but I'm sure we don't want to be talking for another hour here. I don't know if there's anything that you had that you were talking about as we kind of were talked about doing this show together. I've got a good one to kind of leave off with, or to, to end with. Okay. Do you ever think that we will legitimately be able to remove money from politics? Ooh. Like, do you mean, like, um, can I just you further elaborate on that? Like, money is in, yeah, go, go a little more detail on that. So, do you, will we ever be in a place where the politicians are actually representing people and not just representing whoever is giving them the most amount of money? Really, I, I don't think so. I think there's always, even if we say, even if we get rid of, like, we, Put into law, there's no more lobbyists. Or lobbyists are no longer allowed to donate money. They're going to find ways to do... It might not be money. It might be things. Things that you can't document. Or they'll be like, Oh, you just got this random car. Or this piece of property that you don't. that's off the book somewhere. Like, There's always going to be something of value that they're going to represent. Taking, I think even if you took a dollar value out of the equation, there's still going to be something in its place that's going to sway someone one way or the other. Okay, so the second part of that question is, and I don't disagree with you a bit, and that's why I asked this question, why should we continue this political system that we have? I think it kind of goes back to that that uh, saying, I feel like, it's not necessarily how I feel, but I feel like there's a saying that has, like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But I feel like we have a very broken system, but no one has suggested something alternative that's willing to change it's the same reason like we haven't we haven't converted from the to the metric system because i feel like no one's presented like a a easy way to do that Mm -hmm. like easy way because i think the scale of which we're talking about like you can't as much as it would make the most sense you can't just reset the everything to square one you can't just blow up everything and start over mm-hmm. as much as we would like to and how much I think we it would help a lot if because the way the government started the way everything kind of came together was all in the minds of guys hundreds of years ago who didn't foresee a future that we have now mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the situations we have like with the amendments and with all of this is based on a knowledge at a one point in time and the fact that I think I think we do need to get away from kind of the... Because I feel like it is a flawed system where there needs to be some more checks and balances because I agree, it's not... 
exactly working. It's working to a point, but I feel like it could be better. But no one has presented a system and a means to get to a, a new way of doing things. I like it. Like, I would love to be able to, like, to say, all right, let's, we're going to, like, effective, like, January 2020, we're going to start a new form of government. Like, I remember there's, my dad was in this weekend because we were doing some stuff, and they're currently voting on going from, like, a mayoral-type local government to a city management-level government. And it's just, like, those things... Like, and that's becoming a lot more trouble than it sounds. And it makes, and I feel like if you took that to a, a, uh, a national level, it's not like it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to take years. It's not something that could be as simple as we're going to set a date and do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd love if we could, I feel like there's a better idea out there. And I feel like someone just needs to suggest, but I feel like people are so set in their ways that no one's going to, no one in power now is going to vote to change it. Okay. And someone, and getting to that point, like if someone ran and got elected and had that in their head, something's going to block them from doing that and they're going to just give up and it's just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What? How about you? Um, you know, I think, I think if we, if we tried to reset and go to square one, it's not going to, definitely in the short term it's not going to benefit anybody because you know the global economy is going to collapse if the united states fails the global economy is going to collapse i mean that might not be true but that's the way that it makes sense in my head um really the only and and it's not it's not as radical as an idea as you would think especially coming from me because i have a lot of (laughs) radical ideas sometimes um but say effective January first, twenty nineteen, all current political politicians in Washington D.C. no longer have a job. We already have a person selected for every position, and not not to give Trump any any uh, props here, but you legitimately drain the swamp. You purge all of them. Now I'm not saying kill them in the streets. <laughs> they just don't have a job anymore. Right. They have they have to do they have to be citizens and do their own thing. We basically have an election that's not an election and we say, Okay, this is your shot, you know, all these all the people that are taking taking the place, you either do a good job or we're gonna replace you. You know, it's 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 an industry like anything else. That's the way that it makes sense in my head. Right. Sometimes you have to clear out the deadwood so to speak to kind of get some new ideas in there mm-hmm. and actually i kind of like kind of what you brought up there because there was um there was a show I actually it's canceled now but there's a show i liked called designated survivor i don't know if you ever saw like the preview for it i watched the pilot episode and then i i just i do not have time to watch uh like consistent tv series i just don't have the time i i understand it's it's hard to keep up with like i wouldn't like there's shows that like i'll watch the pilot, i'm like oh this sounds really great but then it's like I find like five shows that I like, and I'm like, I I can't sit home and watch five hours of TV in a week. Like, I have things I got to get done. Like it yep. doesn't make sense. But like, so like I'll catch up on like backlog stuff. But that was one of the shows I kind of kept with. Like I end up I end up getting like five episodes behind that. Like I'll binge it on one random day. But it was an interesting because it basically the you watched the pilots. You know, it's basically it's the State of the Union. Everyone was in the capital, but all the basically every all the movers and shakers and 
political office in DC were there except like one person. Then it blew up. So basically, they had to find everyone. Like they had to bring all new people in, like people who would never had this. It was kind of a reset. You kind of got to see kind of how that evolved. You had people like it, yeah, you had some former politicians kind of come back, but you had a lot of fresh blood. And you had to get a lot of new ideas, and it was. It made sense. Like, I don't think it's... Definitely don't need something extreme as that, but I think that would make sense. Like, the same thing as, like, doing... Like, it would be a little bit shaky at first, because you have a lot of people who have no idea what's going on. There's going to be... There's going to be a learning curve that'll need to take place. Mm -hmm. But I think if we can prepare for that, I think it would be great, because you definitely... It's kind of that whole thing of, like, um... What's it? The whole thing of, like, when you cut that out of a snake, uh, what, two heads come back or something like that? Mm -hmm. But if you just dice it all up into pieces then you kind of can definitely bring a lot of newness to it. i'm sorry my metaphors are kind of failing me today but you kind of get what i'm saying is no that, i totally understand what you're saying but i think that would be nice like it's the same reason like like i said earlier like stopping a term like yeah you can get you can run again but you can only run like two times and that's it it's like the same reason like they can only have two terms of a president because otherwise we'd have presidents just keep staying in office for ever like we could still have I'm trying to think, like, uh, like Bush Senior could still be president for, like, if that was the case, like, mm-hmm. but we would have a king and not a president, right? And like we almost had that for a minute, like they were ready to make Washington king and have that be like, and we would have a very different world right now if that was the case. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think two terms are like a decade. Like you get you get ten years, and then after that. We need new ideas, and if everything is staggered like that, then there's always going to be someone new, and like, and you can never be reelected. Like that's it. You need to go home, go back to your state, go back to wherever you came from, get a normal job, and like, and and not and like make it so it's like you don't have these benefits of this stuff. Like after you're done, like you get your ten years, you get to pay, you get paid, and then that's it. Go back to your career what you have before this. Mm-hmm. Like no one should go to school to be a politician. Like, Absolutely. That, is not something that should be okay. Well, that's not the way that it was. That's not the way that it was written, and that's not the idea that it was. And right. It, like, and and you know, anybody can make the argument. You know, as far as the Constitution and everything goes, um, that that's not the society that we live in today. And that I, you know, I'll agree that's fair. Um, but there should be no such thing as a career politician. Right. Like you should have higher aspirations like a politician might sound good on paper but there's something that you could better do with your time than to do something like that for the rest of your life you need to make way for someone else Mm -hmm. like it should always be somewhere you get get your moment to shine you get your time to put your own thoughts in that'll go in the major cog of the of the political atmosphere there and then let someone else have their turn absolutely like a merry-go-round that we're going on you get off someone else gets on and they take it their way mm-hmm. yeah i think that's really awesome i think that's a great way to kind of end the episode for this week i think we've had a lot of great conversations i've learned a lot you've probably learned a lot that's a good way to kind of cap off 50 episodes of the poor rapport and i'm not really going away like i said i will be back with two other shows that'll be one will be still very similar to this and one will be a little more fun a little more lively and a, not talking about what's going on in the world and some people probably will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I really want to thank you for coming on here. It's thank, been, it's thank been you. a great night. Thank you for having me. We've been we've been talking about uh, having me on as a guest since like 
I don't know, pretty much like right as soon as I started Podcastrophe. So I've yeah, been looking forward listened, to this for a long time. Right. I think I've been like, since I heard like, since I listened to Podcastrophe once you came on and I was like, I really want to like have a conversation with him. Like we've, we've talked like off the cuff on like Messenger or like when we have like our little group conversations, but this has been great. I feel like we were able to go into a different area that like, if I was like, I guess on my cash view, it probably would have been a different conversation altogether. But mm-hmm. like, I really like how this went and this has been awesome. And I definitely want to have you on again in the, in the new show. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. But I think that'll do it for uh, this week's show. Thank you all for listening to episode 50. I will be back next week with a newer show and a newer format. So definitely stay tuned for that. Thank you again, Tyler. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. You guys all have a great week.